I already okay. had a deal and it was 2.5 times less valuation than the round mm. that we closed now. For me, it was a sign that Vova, you should stop here and not mm. undervaluate what you are building. This is your like final warning. Welcome to another uh, episode of the Funded. We took a bit of a, a bit of a break uh, over uh, Christmas and New Year and sort of the start of New Year, but we're we're back. Uh, we have a, a, an amazing lineup of uh, of guests coming in, and, and today uh, is Vova from uh, Easy. Um, Vova, thank you so much for for being here. Uh, we've uh, monitored your progress on the on the fundraise, and it's been amazing to see you navigate uh, navigate this. So. Uh, very grateful to have you uh, on the on the podcast. Let's start with a quick introduction of the company of Easy. What uh, what do you do and and how does it work? Amazing man, amazing to be here. First of all, thanks so much for having me and uh, just uh, yep, happy to be here. Uh, so just I'm a CEO and founder of Easy. Uh, but just a quick elevator pitch: we are gamified marketplace, gamified marketplace for digital assets, tokens, tokenized real world assets, which is gamifying the common trading uh, approach. That's what we're doing. Amazing. Um, okay, and can you give us a, a quick uh, summary of the round? Uh, if you can mention, uh, you know, whatever you can, you can, you can share. Obviously, how much did you raise? What round was this? Um, and then, and then, uh, who were the lead investors, valuations, whatever you can share? Uh, sure. So uh, we've raised uh, seed round in April 2023, uh, but then uh, closer to October, started raising a private round. Uh, just uh, the final round before the TGE. And uh, it took us quite some time to uh, gain uh, stats, numbers, uh, user acquisition channels, and all that to uh, finally successfully uh, finalize this funding round, the private. So basically this uh, announcement that went uh, something like 15 days ago that we've uh, finally uh, just covered all rounds is about the private round. So in seed round, we've uh, raised $1.1 million. In the in private round, we've raised $700,000 from VCs and something like $800,850 from angels. Angels, including uh, KOLs, uh, just wise individuals from the market, supporters and all that stuff. Uh, in terms of uh, names, uh, the like, I will. I don't want to say that lead investor because we started without lead investor, and only then we were joined by guys at Seven X. Uh, guys at Seven X, they had uh, let's say the biggest uh, impact in terms of the amount that they've uh, fund they've that they've backed us. So uh, this private round uh, was joined by the Seven X Ventures, Momentum Six, the guys at Contango Digital Assets, Maven Capital, MetaBros. Uh, and several uh, several KOLs, angels, uh, and supporters. In terms of the KOLs and angels, uh, some notable names like uh, G-Money, uh, Wiz, Capo, Dingaling, Zeneca, uh, the Chelsea Investment Director at uh, Foresight Ventures, uh, guys like uh, Chris Donovan, the CEO at uh, Near Foundation, and uh, several other notable and I'd say super supportive people who backed us. And in terms of the seed round, the one that we've uh, raised previously in April 2023, uh, we were joined by uh, guys at Dadlus Angels and uh, our, as well, Angels 
the guys who previously backed the open network, near protocol, and other notable startups. This is like the all in the mix, but very quick rundown on uh, those two rounds that we raised. Awesome. I mean, it's super diverse round. I mean, that's a, that's an amazing mix of uh, mix of investors, and hopefully, that gives you an incredible kind of a boost out of the out of the gates uh, when you when when you launch. Um, what was the instrument that you raised on? Was it a, a token, a safe, soft? What was the kind of ultimate uh, instrument? Uh, from the very beginning of the fundraising <laughs> process, we chose to raise with SAFT. So basically, we raised with tokens. Uh, but in the process, uh, there were several investors that wanted to uh, back us based on SAFE. SAFE mm -hmm. was a token warrant or something like this. But then we've decided to acquire value and benefits in tokens. So that's why we decided to raise uh, via SAFT and tokens. Okay, perfect. And was that so? That was the decision from the very beginning to raise on a soft. It was um, something that you decided before you raised any money. Then you kind of circulated through, sort of thinking through a safe and the token warrant, but stuck with the soft in the end. Yep, yep. We from the very beginning we uh, decided that it will be super beneficial for our business model to have token implemented, native token mm -hmm. and utility token. And basically, that's why we decided to go with soft because it would be. Uh, but in our understanding, uh, it would be beneficial for company, uh, for EC, mm -hmm. and for our investors to acquire value in tokens. Okay. And Vova, talk me through how you thought of the um, uh, uh, the timing on the on the round. I mean, you you had an amazing kind of a, a climb of users on the waiting list and people engaging. You know, you you know, we saw you grow from sort of a, a lower number to sort of where you are now in the, I think 75,000 uh, or probably more by now. Um, how did you decide the timing of the round in light of kind of the engagement that you were see seeing and building that community? I'd correct you a bit. At the moment, we have 700,000 users connected wallets. Oh my God, okay, holy shit. <laughs> all right, oh, yeah. well, I'm but, sorry. I... <laughs> but... But totally understand that not all of those guys are, let's say, real. Some of those guys can be botted, multi-arc farmers, and we can't go anywhere without those type of people in crypto. That's like that's uh, uh, bread and butter of crypto. But uh, we check the stats. We check stats. We check the analytics. And at the moment, we see that those all those uh, users who connected wallets, they have accumulated value of 71 plus million of assets that they hold on those wallets. On those wallets. Wow. Yes, on all those wallets. So we track coins, native coins, altcoins, and NFTs. I have it right here on my uh, screen. So yeah, we can we can provide all the information and proof checks and all this stuff because I like numbers. I think that numbers are always showing the real picture. As well, we see that the average voltage is more than 336 days, which is super sustainable for the, like, mm. let's say, average retail user. And as well, we see that over the last 30 days, all wallets have made more than 318,000 transactions worth more than $96 million in just over 30 days. So it's just uh, some good numbers and uh, they show that those wallets are real active and uh, we've tapped into the active community. Answering your question. Answering yeah, your yeah. question. Uh, basically, uh, we've uh, when we started raising seed round, we had just product. We had product, we had idea, we had team, we had strategy, how we're going to acquire all those users, but we didn't have any numbers. That's when we started raising the seed round. We've uh, raised a bit of the seed round. Then we got connected with uh, Daedalus. We got uh, a bit of backing from Daedalus and uh, a lot of support from Daedalus. Uh, but uh, the thing is that uh, at that point, 
moment in time we didn't have any uh traction didn't have any numbers didn't have we had like a community of let's say 10,000 users in twitter something like 8,000 users in discord and then from that time we started scaling started scaling super fast and the best decision for us was to launch the testnet we've launched incentivized testnet and uh, just we were transparent with our community we, we told them that look uh help us to test the product it's a heavy consumer-centric, user-centric product. We want you to test it out. We want you to test it out. We have several fixes to be made. We have several bugs there and here and there. And just, we want you to test it out. If you will help us to test it out, if you will spread the word about it, if you will invite friends, we will give you airdrop. We didn't, uh, just, uh, we were not trying to make it somehow shady and speculative. We just, we were transparent, as transparent as we can be. And uh, starting that uh, moment in time, it went just, it exploded. In 24 hours of launching Testnet, we had something like uh, 70,000 wallets connected to the platform. So, and uh, of course, showing all those numbers, uh, even like up until today, when we are recording this, every day we are going to analytics, uh, on-chain analytics tool. Uh, I can shout out uh, Tree. We're using Tree, and those guys are super mm. helpful. Uh, we are using the on-chain analytics tool and uh, we just, uh, to every community member, investor, supporter, KOL, team member, everybody, all those stats are open online. So we can just, we can check them, we can check how the behavior changes, the yeah, those mm -hmm. spending, anything and everything like this. And starting the, the moment when we started generating that kind of traction, it started resulting in a successful result with fundraising. We started gaining uh, interest from VCs, interest from the angels, and this is where it all started uh, being super successful for us. So it's, it shows how important that 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 early traction and making that initial sort of a uh, you know wave in the market and, and 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 getting people engaging and stuff like that. How important it is, and it also shows that. You know, investors do monitor for those things and are, are are aware of what is getting interest, what is getting kind of um um attention from the from the audience. Um, cool. Okay. And how did you decide on the amount to raise? I mean, you know, obviously you raised the the earlier round and you raised the next round. How did you think about? Was it based on, you know, uh, a runway that you were targeting, or what was the kind of the deciding factor <clears throat> behind behind how much you actually raised in the end? Uh, I think that the like uh, the idea that I'm going to uh, tell now, it's not the popular idea, but uh, this is how I think about the fundraise. It's always uh, worth to raise more than you really need than to raise less than you really need. Because if you are raising more than you need, you are basically undervaluating what you are building. And if you are undervaluating what you are building, who will uh, evaluate it as it has to be evaluated? Uh, so once the founder and or the CEO or anybody who deals with investments uh, in startup starts selling uh, incredible amounts of token at lowered valuation, I think that this is a clear red flag. For us, what we have decided, we've seen the uh, like realistic runway, the realistic burn rate, a uh, monthly burn rate, and we've just multiplied it by twenty-four months. In for for just for to make sure that we have a sustainable runway for two years, because uh, like uh, for me two years is the period of time that startup needs really to get to the peak level 
when it gets global attention and exposure and a lot of community exposure and all that stuff. So we just we raised exactly the right amount. How much money do we need to maintain the sustainable scaling for two years? Uh, it's like my biggest uh, advice to anybody who will be raising not to raise too much money, because then when the company valuation starts to grow, you will just uh, feel sad for yourself for mm. just, uh, selling it uh, at lowered valuation. And this is this is not the uh, best look even for investors, partners, and anybody. Yeah, you got to be confident in your ability to execute and keep on building value and, and increasing the, 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 the valuation, right? I think obviously there's multiple uh, approaches to this uh you know that that certainly we've seen uh you know some people say that if you raise if you raise more you have more shots on goal because the first product isn't always the the kind of the winning the winning product and if you're not able to kind of make a few iterations then that's also it's also puts too much risk but there's always yeah there's always a, a balance of course um and and how did you go about um finding the initial investors right obviously you know as you mentioned as you started to gain traction you probably had an, an inflow of uh of uh, of interest, but I saw you hustle and hustle and hustle in the beginning. Tell us a little bit about like were you already connected to investors? Uh, how did you go about? Was it cold outreach? How did you go about getting the initial investors and starting this kind of uh, wave going? Uh, it's it's a nice question actually. So look, uh, I'll start with something that didn't work out, at least for mm -hmm. for our side. For myself, cold outreach didn't work out. Any mm -hmm. investors that I tried to call outreach. We don't have them on cap table now. That means mm -hmm. it didn't work. So the cold outreach, I tried email outreach. I tried those uh, uh, on the website forms that those VCs have. Mm -hmm. Nothing worked out. Even like, let's say, I have decent uh, the connection network on LinkedIn. I even tried to connect with different VCs on LinkedIn, saying how we are cool and why we, they should invest in us. It didn't work out. Things that worked out with uh, let's say with investors who not only say that they invest in founders but they really invest in founders uh personal connection worked out when somebody from the inner circle of those investors introduce mm. and then those investors see yourself uh, this is how it worked out with dadlus uh basically the, we work with the marketing agency the marketing agency introduced us to one of members of dadlus angels uh, we jumped mm. on a call. We jumped on a call once. We've jumped on a call twice. Uh, discussed initially not about the product because it was not a lot to discuss about the product because we didn't have a lot of traction. Discussed about my background. Discussed about the team. Discussed about why am I the real founder to make this thing work out. And uh, like that, Los Angeles, they've invested in founder. A lot of VCs with with whom I've just uh, jumped on a call. Uh, just uh, they've told me that look, we are invited, we are investing in founders, we're investing in teams. But then it turned out that those guys were those uh, ones who returned back to us when we had uh, those announcements. So they are investing <laughs> for, in those startups that were backed by different VCs. So it doesn't uh, it doesn't really uh, correlate to statement that they invest in founders. So the uh, like real opportunity to uh, find investor like a true investor who invests in founders is to get connected directly uh establish connection establish communication with somebody 
who is directly connected to any VC, show why you are the real one, show why you, mm -hmm. your team is real ones, and then it will work out 100%. If you're the real one, if the team is real one once, and the, if the valuation is proper, it will work out. Then it uh, comes to the step number two, those VCs who invest when you have traction. Those VCs when you bought, it's, uh, it gets easier. When the product gets real traction, it gets easier because then I even found myself in a place when I was uh, just browsing those chats in Telegram and I've started seeing those VCs about whom I've heard texting, mm. who can connect me to EC, who can connect us to EC. And this is quite a nice uh, feeling because you see that it's not you who tried to get their connections, but it's them who try to get connections to the startup. This is this is for any founder. I think that this is like one of the best feelings. Uh, so cold, cold outreach for us didn't work out. Uh, personal connections and tractions. Two main things yeah. that out perfectly well. Yeah, I mean, on the on the cold outreach, you know, I, I kind of, you know, people always say if you want to VCs typically will tell you that if you want to talk to them, you need to find a personal connection. I think as much as that sounds kind of pompous in a way or or arrogant or whatever, the reality is that, you know, I mean, having been a VC for a number of years, obviously in the uh, in my in my career, the the code outreach, you just get so much stuff coming your way. And typically the quality of it is so low that it's very difficult to kind of sieve out what is worth looking at and what isn't. And that's why a lot of VCs tend to kind of ignore a lot of the inbound. And if it comes from sort of their network, that's a natural filter. And they would obviously, obviously pay attention, uh, which is, which is frustrating because why shouldn't companies be able to reach directly out to VCs? You know, there's, there's a lot of good stuff that gets, that gets lost obviously in the, in this, in this weird process of having to find a personal connection and, 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 and all of that kind of stuff. Um, cool. Okay. And you went through, through a little bit of a conversation around working with an accelerator, you know, can you talk us through kind of, uh, what happened there? What was the. <clears throat> ultimate outcome of the conversations and uh, things like that uh but we like we at one moment in time we decided that probably it will be cool for us to have an accelerator uh but just uh basically uh, as we are building a consumer-centric product user-centric product b2c and uh, it's always good to have somebody uh who gives you support who been uh, through the process of building a consumer-centric user-centric product we just we uh, went to try to one accelerator. We went to try to second accelerator. We even from the I won't mention any names uh, here. So, but just uh, in terms of uh, the accelerator, we've been accepted to the I'd say biggest of accelerators here in crypto. But then just a uh, uh, couple things didn't work out here and there uh, because of uh, evaluations, because of uh, just because of different things, it didn't work out. But then. I just realized that what, like, I always think like this, if it hasn't been done, it's for best, it's for better. Mm -hmm. Because uh, that deal that I signed, I already yeah. had a deal, I signed it, and it was 2.5 times less valuation than the round mm -hmm. that we've closed now. And it was deal for more than $200,000. So basically, mm -hmm. Uh, for me, it was uh, like maybe it was a sign that Vova, you should stop here and not mm. or not undervaluate what you are building. This is your like final warning. Did mm. I 
as my final warning and then starting that moment in time we still we didn't give anybody any free tokens any free mm -hmm. allocations anything just uh, our advisors supporters people who support us they got advisory allocation the possibility mm -hmm. to invest in our project never i'd advise somebody to give free tokens because even for mm -hmm. smart advisors why would you be working with somebody who treats uh, the their baby their startup mm. like this to give out free tokens to give out free allocations and stuff like this so this was like this was my not into deep experience of working with accelerators but at the same time i hear a lot of cool stories about uh, accelerators from different founders so maybe uh, so one more thing is that maybe we were in a bit uh, older stage than the mm -hmm. startup that needs an accelerator because we already had a team we already had a strategy we already had mm -hmm. like a uh, not only strategy in place but as well the execution in place so maybe that's uh, just the case why we didn't uh, why we didn't need the accelerator but yeah the, it happened like well, this. You, you you know my view we spoke back then and i told you my view of the accelerator and and whatnot so i, I i'm kind of you know um secretly uh, obviously very happy that you didn't end up uh, end up doing it um but i understand the process would have been uh, you know pretty uh, pretty intense to make a decision and uh, you know walk away on kind of the the the, the offering so what happened in the end did the round or the amount that you were looking to raise did you get um oversubscribed undersubscribed how did it work out based on what you wanted to raise what you ended up raising you mentioned that there's some reshuffling going on now so you know can you talk us through this a little bit sure so look uh but the when the process starts to scale that fast as it scaled uh, with us uh we found ourselves oversubscribed in four days literally four days and we found ourselves oversubscribed so then i got a lot of uh, inbox messages of feed 25k allocations fit 10k allocation and especially from those guys with whom i've already been talking who have been doing the in-deep due diligence process on team and everything like this but the only thing that was needed is any other vcs who would back us this is quite strange process as well i find it strange uh just i think that a lot of founders find it strange as well and like uh, even several vcs with, with whom i've been talking they even find this process strange when the due diligence process gets like three months and then the final stage for the due diligence process is that you uh, found the vc and then everybody wants to follow up so this is this is basically like i think it's quite a strange process but then uh coming back to the uh, question uh we found ourselves oversubscribed and then we even uh, needed to make several refunds so this is the hardest part really mm -hmm. uh, just, uh, without without overvaluating uh, just this is the hardest part to get someone's money into good product it's uh, way easier than to give that money back because uh, then I started uh, like basically that people with to whom you are making uh, even partial refunds they think that you're a bad guy they of course they do <laughs> of course they do <laughs> i started hearing that look it's uh it's basically like uh why are you doing this it's double standards and all that stuff but uh i think that uh for founders and for ceos and for the core team of the product uh they need to do anything what is good for the product 
but like I think that even investors, smart investors, in the very end, they understand it. They understand yeah. that, of course, emotions may take power and all this stuff. But like true founders, they always do what is best mm. for their baby, for their startup. So I think that this is this is uh, uh, just reasonable. And the thing is that we've ended up doing something like hundred and sixty thousand refunds wow. to a lot, yeah, to a lot of guys, and uh, uh, we've never made a full refund. That's the main. That's the main thing. Mm -hmm even to those guys who were not really supportive and who were just uh, silent for a for mm -hmm. the for a lot of uh, time we just made a small partial refund we didn't yeah. make full refunds because i think that this is this is uh, this shows your approach this shows your behavior and uh, it's mm -hmm. like i'm i don't want to uh, just remain bad communication or bad or bad uh, relationships with anybody we're all like it's a small community here Everybody is building, so I just I'm I want to stay just true. I want to stay mm -hmm. uh, friend with everybody. But we ended up making several partial refunds. And to be honest with you, this was this was hard. This was hard. This was nervous. Mm -hmm. And uh, just yeah, this is if I'd make top three of hardest things that happened on this fundraising journey, I'd rated first or second place. Def definitely. Well, it's good that um, it's good that you say that because a lot of a lot of um, founders tend to think that oversubscribed being oversubscribed is a good problem to have when actually yeah. it is it is quite a quite a nerve-wracking uh, situation and even more so in your case having to actually there's one thing you know turning people away before they've can, can kind of commit come into the into the round it's a different thing you know having to actually refund them how did you decide on on who to refund like what was the, the the kind of the process the expectation that you kind of worked on because i think the most important thing is to kind of have a have a system and really go by the system rather than go by gut or emotion or whatever the case may be. Can you talk us through that? Of course. So look, first of all, uh, I I'd re repeat. Uh, it's uh, I think that uh, for a startup that really uh, like decided to build a product and go like fundamental, full time, long journey, uh, nothing can be worse than uh, just uh, get more money than you needed. It's like uh, mm -hmm. for me. When we decided to raise exactly this amount of money, we decided that's that's uh, hard mm -hmm. stop. Here is hard mm -hmm. stop, and uh, just this is this was my decision as a founder as a CEO. So basically, we just uh, we didn't think twice uh, about how we decided to make refunds. Look, uh, just uh, two words: value add. We decided mm -hmm. on value add. We decided on value add on those guys who were really supportive or those guys who just. Uh, uh, were willing to look like they're supportive uh it's good that all investors that we have now on the cap table are supportive are like real uh i won't say that uh, real value add to all of investors but at least i can now come to every investor and ask an advice and i know that a lot of investors can give me valuable advices valuable support some of the investors with whom we are dealing now i treat them even like won't say it uh, to make it like uh 
to sound it too loud, but some of those investors are becoming like a co-founders, basically, mm -hmm. because they are super supportive. And we decided with the, just the, in terms of the refunds, we decided on the value add. Value add, the amount of the time that we spent together on building EC, the amount of uh, connections or anything that has been made. So, but in the end, we remained uh, good relationships with everybody. Everybody understood everything. So that's... Uh, one more advice to any founder who will be facing the thing of the oversubscribed uh, situation. Uh, don't be scared to uh, be fully transparent. I, I always say that transparency is key. And even if somebody, uh, I faced this situation when somebody, uh, the when emotions took power and people started saying that, look, uh, just uh, double standards and uh, here and there. But then the same people came back to us and they said, look, we appreciate your approach. We now fully understand that with this level of transparency and with this level of commitment to the product, uh, it will it will go far and it will go long. So basically, don't be scared to just show transparency to people, to talk. Everybody is a human. Everybody, uh, if they are able to understand, they will understand. If they are not able mm. to understand, this is uh, the one more thing where you can uh, think about even more refund. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Okay, let's let's talk about how can an investor be valued? Like, what are the areas that you as a startup founder would have needed the most help? Uh, and you were impressed with the with the help that uh, that you got. Uh, first of all, the easiest thing is connections. So mm -hmm. uh, when you are on our stage, uh, we uh, we are going strong and hard into partnerships now. Partnerships with uh, layers, partnerships with different communities, different projects, different like, but just partnerships as it is. And uh, what's in investors with strong uh, uh, portfolio is always a good value add. Because mm -hmm. uh, let's say that they can connect you to those startups. It will be, if you're building something cool, uh, it will be a mutually beneficial partnership. So nobody will say ever no. Because if you're exchanging community, if you're exchanging audience, it will always be a win-win situation for both of them. And win situation for investor, of course, because they are making this, they're establishing this connection. And it always, when the community is active from both sides, it's always a win-win situation. So first thing is uh, connections. I won't say that, uh, some connections to, let's say, market makers or launch pads or anything like this is the biggest value add uh, because uh, when the market is active, those guys are approaching uh, good projects yourself, themselves. So uh, you you will always be able to find the market maker. You will always be able to find the launchpad. It's there is zero problem to find those guys in the market when the market is active. But to get in touch with some projects that are being super active and they are showing uh, good uh, traction and momentum, this starts getting harder and harder if those projects are keep growing. So uh, for us, the uh, one of the biggest values would uh, be in connections. Second thing is that uh, just uh, advice, support, uh, support on anything, support on the launch strategy, support on the leadership aspect, support on uh, just uh, on some basic stuff that looks basic, but uh, it's always possible to make mistakes even on basic stuff. And if you are uh, not scared to ask advice or feedback from your investor, uh, they've seen uh, hundreds startups that made it mm -hmm. and make it. And basically they can uh, just the easiest thing that they can give you is uh, give you advice like a playbook. Look, 
Oh, these guys, they've made it like this. It didn't work out. These guys, they've made it like this, but with a little twist and it worked out. And then mm -hmm. uh, I've never seen that investors uh, pushed to make the decision, pushed to make the, to say that, look, you have to do it like this, like we've told you, it's always up to you. You just gather all the mm. information, gather all advice, and then you make your final solution. So final solution, final decision. So basically these are uh, connections, uh, feedback, support, uh, just uh, normal human relationships. Mm -hmm. Those things are <clears throat> super big value add because we have some uh, investors in the cap table with whom we are like friends now. Uh, just I can I can I can text them I can ask anything and they will definitely support even if they will think that look it's a kind of stupid question they will never tell me that this question is stupid they will always answer like nothing is happening like everything is good and that's why I really I really care about the human relationships. No, that makes uh, that makes sense. I think yeah, the best way to give a to give advice in a sense is. It's just to tell a story that is kind of related and let the founder take their own kind of conclusions out of the story. You know, I, when I, you know, when, when you kind of describe what a portfolio company of yours or a friend may have had a situation and then what they did and what the result was, then the founder can kind of decide whether they suit them or not much, much more than, than, than kind of direct advice. Oh, you should do this because it always also feels confrontational. If you say, oh, you should do this and then you end up not doing it, then you kind of feel like, you know, you, you've kind of gone against the advice. Well, if they just tell you a story, then it actually really makes it much easier for you to just take whatever is valuable for you and, and, and execute on it. So who are the most helpful people in the round? I'm kind of wondering of a, of a split. Would you say that there's a distinctive kind of a, um, uh, a visibility of angels being more uh, helpful, VCs being more helpful? Obviously, feel free to call out any particular uh, VCs or angels that you thought were, were, were super helpful. Uh, so look, I'll start with uh, in terms of the seed round, but uh, the Dadlus Angels. So the those guys believed when we didn't have anything, and uh, up until today, I know that I can text uh, Luca, Nemo, uh, you. I can text uh, those guys, and uh, even not about let's say not about the fundraising, not about connections, just about. Uh, just any feedback any opinion or anything like this i would just i frequently text uh, luca and he's he's always super supportive he i think he treats me like a, a friend now so yeah this is this is a, a cool thing that i faced in terms of the seed and it's always harder to support somebody uh before uh those numbers before success even you know uh, the establishing connections with somebody can become tricky and I totally understand it because look, uh, but the product is not launched yet. Uh, you don't know the capability of the uh, founder. You don't know the capability of the team. You don't know how it will work out and if it will work out. And of course, it's easier to establish those connections when we have a lot of numbers and hundreds, thousands of wallets connected. And when the whole crypto Twitter is uh, tagging EC and all that stuff, but that's uh, why I really value our connection with Dadlus. And up until today, I know that uh, even, let's say, uh, if something bad happens, I know that it won't happen. But if something bad happens, I can always uh, reach out and I'll get support. Uh, second uh, thing is that uh, coming to the private round, this round, I uh, uh, mentioned several ones. Uh, first of all, for me, it was super, super, super helpful, the Levenger. Levenger Young, the investment director at 7X Ventures. Uh, 
but he as well he joined when we didn't have that much hype around us and when we didn't when we were not oversubscribed uh but just uh, he really liked the product idea he really liked the product idea and up until today even let's say one hour before the podcast we've been texting with each other and he always suggests he always supports he always helps to uh, just establish connections and uh, connect dots in the background so he is super super helpful then Two more partners the, who I can uh, highlight is Maven Capital and Metabros. Uh, Maven Capital, not Maven 11. I'm not connected to Maven 11. It's different. It's like it's just the wording with Maven and it's a <clears throat> yeah, yeah. big thing sometimes. But yeah, Maven Capital, Murtasa, the guy who uh, just he really believed and uh, he supported with a lot of KOL connections and as well with the Metabros guys who help us to, let's say, I don't like the word incubate. But they are helping with incubating, with uh, establishing connections, with establishing uh, just uh, uh, social media presence. I'll call it like this. So those guys, they are super helpful as well. Uh, Murtasa, the Maven Capital guys, and the uh, uh, Metabros, I treat them as uh, like, won't say co-founders, but as, uh, at least as a part of the core team. Because uh, those guys, they don't ask for anything. They all just uh, seamlessly support seamlessly support and uh, always when I connect to someone who is the mutual connection of uh, myself and those guys they always say oh look those guys spoke really highly about you and I'm like that's that's nice thing to have that's a good thing to have when you have some people like this uh, I can even let's say yesterday I've texted uh, those guys at 4 a.m my time it was something like 2 a.m their time immediately answered immediately it shows that it shows that I can uh, rely on those guys even if something uh, not too good happened because uh, when it when everything good is happening uh, everybody would love to support mm -hmm. uh, when something tricky happens this is where those uh, real ones show their faces so basically uh, this is uh, like i can call out a lot of uh, angels like chelsea from Foresight Ventures. She's super nice as well. She's super helpful as well to us. Uh, then some from some of our KOLs, I can mention a lot from them. They are constantly super supportive with all our announcements and updates. They always say that, look, Vova, you have that transparent and clear communication. We appreciate it. So Capo and with super two helpful guys, they are super big in terms of crypto Twitter. They are super big in terms of influence. Uh, probably they don't even need somebody like us and uh, somebody like uh, our project, but they are super supportive. Like everything in terms of advice, in terms of like connection to anybody from the crypto Twitter space or projects, just support. It's like, it's always cool to see that uh, this is just happening as it is. So some of those some of those KOLs and influencers if we have like we have a list of 60 people who backed us so it's it if I didn't mention those guys it doesn't mean that I don't value them as I value those guys but with with those guys with whom I about whom I've mentioned we just we just are in constant connection 24 7. one more guy who I will mention is Charles rare stone capital super helpful guy as well we are based here in Dubai and he's like yeah that type of the guy who is like look i'm here with this uh centralized exchange uh leaderboard and all this stuff uh you won't come in to hang out i'll connect you so it's like it's uh, natural even when i don't ask for support that guy thinks about us thinks about myself this is something that is really cool so uh, just uh yeah 
uh, in uh, in a nutshell I see that uh, it's uh, if you have a good intuition if you have a good feeling about people and I think I have a good feeling about people you will surround yourself by real supporters uh, by someone who can support you I about the second part that you mentioned who are not that supportive I won't say names but uh, uh, we don't at the moment we don't have on the cap table guys who were not supportive we refunded them but as well in terms of like uh outlining uh, some bad things that happened uh on the fundraise i've seen a lot of guys who were uh shamelessly knocking in dms saying that look uh can you squeeze us in hundred thousand dollars fifty thousand uh even let's say some guys asked can you please allow us to join on 2.5 thousand just to be on your cap table mm. and those were the same guys who just ignored my messages didn't even sometimes show up on calls this is the type <laughs> of that I was facing uh in the in like the peak of my fundraising uh, journey I've had something like 12 calls scheduled per day 12 14 sometimes and even sometimes I faced this stuff when guys didn't show up and then texted look we had the overlapping let's just discuss further down the line and of course you see there like why why is this happening of course it's not yeah. the best thing to face but those guys are always the first ones who will knock in your dms once they will see some of the uh, influential mm -hmm. angel or kol texting about your success texting about your success story that's that's the reality well, it's almost like a, a karma, right? It's a natural punishment. I mean, if you're uh, going to be like that, then 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 ultimately, you know, um, you, you're going to get uh, you're going to get the karma payback. <laughs> um, cool. And what was the um, legal process like for you? Um, did you draft up the documents with your legal counsel? Did one of the VCs provide the documents? Did you sort of, you know, can you talk us through that a little bit? Uh, before starting the look the why I've done it like this the the background because I've already had two startups two successful ones I've already done two exits not that big exits like in super successful multi-million dollar exit but I've had two exits one from the educational technology startup second one from medical technology we've been doing hardware working with some companies like Porsche soft bank infrastructure European banks uh, just like I've had some experience so what I've taught from those experiences that you have to handle all the legal stuff by yourself you just for me it even looks funny when uh, you come to investor and says say that look can you help us to make this legal process uh, it's like they're giving you money they're supporting but uh, don't make them think that you will ask their support on every single step why are you even the founder if you can't uh, uh, settle some minor stuff yourself mm -hmm. basically we had we had it done i found the company i found the like i've asked several founders who are my friends how to make the cool soft uh, like the real one the super legit and so it's not only uh not only covering the investor side but as well covering the project side I think that it, there should always be a balance in legal documentation so basically 
before starting the seed round, before uh, just before uh, gathering any money, we always had the, we had everything prepared. We had prepared the staff, we had prepared the company. Uh, just uh, we've incorporated in the BDI. So basically, it's uh, it it's not a hard process. Uh, just it uh, requires a bit of time and consistency, but it's not a hard process. It's uh, just it's uh, super easy and uh, as well. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely doable. Perfect. Um, okay, and what would you say were surprises for you throughout this process? What did you not expect that was like a complete sort of a, a shock when when it happened? Uh, look, uh, the the complete shock for me was the this. I'd say I'd call it the uh testimony that uh, the thesis the thesis that uh, vcs say that look we invest in founders mm -hmm. but they only invest when they have uh, when they see hype going on this mm -hmm. is I, think, I don't know why is it happening i still don't understand why is it happening like this of course like in the background i i understand but it looks strange for me and even sometimes in those group chats i see that guys are putting like we are a vc Hundred thousand million VC plus uh, portfolio of let's say fifty six companies and stuff like this. This is we invest with tier one VCs. Uh, strange stuff, completely. I won't say that it's like a shock, but it's it's mm. something strange and something that you get to see. Uh, just uh, I haven't seen it in the traditional uh, startups. This yeah. this. Happened. I mean, Vova, I can offer a little bit of a, of a of an explanation on 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 people that on on why the round comes together once there's a lead a little bit more, and why are people willing to commit a bit more? And you know, there's definitely an element of people that just they just want to see a big name because they think the 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 asset will perform if there's a big name involved. The correlation there is very very weak. the The, the thing that I would say though is that there are a lot of shitty funds out there, right? And the and the issue is that I don't care about following a a, a, a kind of a, a, a tier one name or whatever as a, as a as an investor, but I care about following a shitty fund because I've seen a lot of funds, bad funds, turn good companies into into the wrong direction, and I think that's really the risk that you know experienced investors are trying to avoid. I've seen it in traditional finance where you've got funds which back you know regular companies. I'm not talking about crypto. SaaS companies this and get them to focus on the absolutely wrong thing, right? And the company goes ultimately uh, nowhere or or doesn't perform as well as it could perform because they focused on the wrong thing because they followed the advice of their lead investor. We see that in crypto as well, um, getting them sort of you know the 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 influence that they have as a lead investor, obviously, uh, you know, getting them getting having influence over the token launch, the mechanism. Ways the value accrued, you know, especially if it's a if it's an equity round versus a token round, the lead investor has quite a lot of influence in certain in certain circumstances. So, I think for me, it's not necessarily following behind the big name, but it's actually avoiding investing behind the shitty fund, right? And when you've been investing in the in the in the space for as long as certainly as long as I have, you get you know who the shitty funds are. You know they are they are you know they they're well known, and and so. I think that's kind of, and, and I'm just saying that, saying that in kind of, in a bit of an explanation of why that the dynamic does tend to happen and, and why I understand it sometimes. Um, but yeah, cool. Okay. Um, I guess 
um, the next question I have, and actually we've, we've only got two other things to cover. Um, what would you do differently next time? I wouldn't uh, outreach until I have numbers. I think okay. that uh, I have a brother, my like uh, my little brother. He is my twin, and uh, we are always uh, like uh, he's doing his separate stuff, but we are always discussing. And he asked me this question. He asked like, "Look, you've uh, you fundraised, you've closed it all. What is the one thing that if you would have to do this once again, what would you do differently?" I won't spend too much time on cold outreach on those LinkedIn messengers, on those uh, mm -hmm. forms on the websites. I'd uh, completely focus on the process and traction. That's the thing when it started to work out. And I think that if you are a founder that is in the process of hectically outreaching those pieces, 90% that it will not work out. Yeah, I see it and I've talked with founders. I've talked even like, if the Bitcoin would hit right now, let's say 70,000, maybe it would work out. The cold mm. outreach would work out because people will start uh, spraying and praying. But in the normal conditions, in the normal market, focus on the traction. I'd focus even more on the traction with uh, uh, if I wouldn't spend that much time on calls with different pieces, I wouldn't... Uh, just i think that we would uh, gather that traction faster we would gather the traction faster and right now i think that uh, we would have this podcast recording let's say one month ago <laughs> <laughs> but yeah uh, but the thing that i wouldn't i wouldn't miss focus on the cold outreach on outreaching tactically in the linkedin and all that stuff your vc is going to find you once you will have the uh, once you will have the traction this is the thing that i'll definitely do uh, differently and what i'm now advising to do any other founder got it well you've actually answered my next question because my next question was in fact what would be your advice to people considering their fundraise? So, so you know, this is pretty much uh, pretty much uh, answering the question. So, um, Vova, thank you so much for your time. I think this has been super insightful, uh, really cool. Where where can people find you if they wanna if they wanna connect with you? What's the best way to to to, to connect with you? Uh, first of all, thank you. Thank you so much. It's always cool to speak with somebody who is uh, deep inside the game. So uh, it's it's always a pleasure. So the where. Uh, people can find me uh linkedin and twitter i'm now uh, just i'm now pushing harder in terms of the personal brand i'm always building with my face here i'm fully doxed you can't be more doxed than i am and uh, just uh, well, i'm building my personal brand on twitter i'm building my personal brand on those interviews ama spaces and all that stuff i think that i can tell a lot about uh, background traction vision or some stuff like this so yeah i'm always answering any dms i'm always answering any suggestions or advices uh, that are needed for to different founders so yeah if somebody would want to reach out to me they can definitely do this on twitter or my linkedin amazing thank you very much thank cool. you